0: Please stand. Lord, we come before you today. You are merciful to us. The mercy that you bestow upon us, Lord, we can't measure it. There's no way that we could ever really come to know the depths of it. Uh, So, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this mercy which you have shown to us. We thank you for grace. And Lord, as we come before your word today, I pray that we would see it as that powerful means of grace through which we hear from you. We hear the truth of of who we are, and we hear the truth of what you have done for us, for the forgiveness of all of our sins. So Lord, as as we look at your word today, I pray that we would... Be reminded that you are in control, that you are sovereign, that you are the eternal God, that you control our future. And and Lord, I pray that you would help us to humble ourselves before you and to acknowledge and trust these realities. Lord, as as we're so prone uh, to grab a hold of our lives, to take control of our lives, and to believe that we determine our own future. Give us humble hearts today. Open our ears, open our lives to you, that you would have your way among us. So we ask for your Holy Spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please remain standing out of respect for God's word as we read today from James chapter 4 and chapter 5. This letter from James, he writes to the churches and he writes even to us today. Come now. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded, and their corrosion will be evidenced against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasures in the last days. Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you, and the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. Here ends the reading of God's word. You may be seated. We Americans we value our freedom and we value the liberty that we've been given to determine our own futures and to make and to make uh, a living for ourselves and to and to make uh, a future for ourselves and for our families. So we value this thing called the American dream. We love this thing called the American dream. The the, uh, Declaration of Independence says we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, and they are endowed by the Creator with certain unalienable rights. And among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, the American dream. And as we read this letter from James to us, At first glance, it might seem as if James is telling us that it's arrogant to plan for the future or it's arrogant to make money. At first glance, it might seem as if the American dream contradicts the message of James. However, when you look closer at this letter from James, he isn't writing against planning for the future. He has nothing against planning for the future or building opportunities. James is speaking out against the arrogance of planning for the future and seeking success in your life while forgetting God. To leave God out of your plans for the future. This is the arrogance of forgetting God, the arrogance of disobeying God or even the arrogance of outright rejecting God and saying that I am the master of my future I'm in control of my future so what we need to do is we need to understand that we should pray as James taught us to pray instead of saying this is what I'm going to go do in my life this is my plan for the future this is what I determined for my future instead we ought to pray if the Lord wills If the Lord wills this or that for my future, then we will go and do this or that. So as Christians, we plan our futures wisely while acknowledging and trusting in the one who really is in control of our future. So as we plan our future, we plan our future with God. And ultimately praying, not my will, but your will be done for my future. And knowing who's who's in control of our lives, and that's really at the heart of the matter, right? And it takes humility. It takes humility on our part to confess that you're not in control of your life. It takes humility to confess that you really don't have control over your future. It takes humility to to admit that you don't have control over this moment. It takes humility to admit that God is the one who's in control over all things. So James is calling all people. He's calling you, rich, poor, middle class, to live with humility before God. As you plan out your life, as you plan your future, do it with a humility that acknowledges God and his sovereignty over our lives. So, we're going to look at humility versus arrogance. Humility versus arrogance. In James chapter 4, verse 6, James wrote to the churches God opposes the proud. He opposes the proud, but he does what? He gives grace. To the humble. He opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Here's the problem. The arrogant refuse to acknowledge God's sovereignty. And, and we Christians, we we acknowledge and we believe in God's sovereignty, but we're prone to forget that He's in control. So we forget that God is sovereign. So what is God's sovereignty? I have a little illustration for us. In the middle of the term, sovereignty is this word reign. So when we confess that God is sovereign, we're saying that God reigns. He is in control of all things. God is King of kings and Lord of lords. So God rules over all. He rules over the universe, and and He rules over our lives. He rules over our church. He rules over our nation. He's sovereign over all. The, The God of the Bible is said to be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So he is sovereign, he reigns, he is the king of kings and the lord of lords. But the arrogant forget, or they outright reject, the sovereignty of God. This is what James is warning us against. The arrogance of boasting. Saying that I am in control of my destiny, I am in control of my future. This is what James is warning us against. Don't forget who is in control of all. Not only is God sovereign over today, he is sovereign over eternity. He is sovereign over eternity. God holds yesterday. Oftentimes our minds ruminate over the things that happened in the past and we can't get over the past. Remember that God is sovereign over the past. He is sovereign. He rules and he reigns over the present. He's in control today. And not only is he sovereign over the past and the present, but he's also sovereign over the future. He's in control of the future. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't even know what today holds for you. But God knows all things. He is eternal he is sovereign over eternity. This is why James wrote in James four thirteen and 14, Come now you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit, yet you do not even know what tomorrow will bring. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but God does. He's in control. He's in control of eternity. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. The arrogant, they forget or they outright reject the sovereignty of God. Not only is he sovereign over eternity, he is sovereign over my life. He's sovereign over my life. The arrogant want to make themselves the God of their own lives, the God of their own destinies, the God of their own future. This is something that we're all prone to do. We're all prone to make ourselves God over our lives and our own destinies. But but how foolish and and arrogant. And when when we try to convince ourselves, or when we do convince ourselves that we're God over our own lives, then we're driven to serve ourselves. We're driven to focus on ourselves rather than serving God and serving our neighbor. So, two things to remember, and this is good news, is that God is sovereign over eternity. He holds the past, those mistakes that you've made, those tragedies that you've experienced in your past. He holds those things. He's sovereign over today. Are you worried about today? Don't worry about today. Don't stress about today because he's in control and he's sovereign over tomorrow and the future. He's God who's sovereign over all. And when we reject or forget these truths... We end up turning in on ourselves. We we foolishly try to be the God of our own lives. I believe it's impossible for people to function without God. It is impossible for people to function without God. And that's why people have always fashioned idols. That's why they have always fashioned gods for themselves. Because it's impossible for us to live without God. So what we're prone to do is we're prone to reject the one true God and to fashion a God in, in, in our own likeness that, that, that serves our own purposes. That's why people have always fashioned idols. Because we are created by God to live in a relationship with Him. And when a person forgets or rejects the Lord, then that person is going to make something else uh, to replace the one true God. So we're all created to worship. The question is, are you submitting to the one who truly is sovereign over all? Or are you submitting to and serving something else in your life. So often this idolatry proves itself in our lives by self-serving plans and goals expressed in materialistic ventures, and a lot of this letter from James deals with materialism. Again, there's nothing wrong with, with having money or things when we hold those things with a proper belief in God. When we invest in wealth, we should never forget that the wealth that we hold, or long to hold, is temporary. And we are a people that, that, that longs for things, we long for stuff, for houses, for, for land, for, for money. You know, I think it would be awesome one day to have a, a nice yacht, you know. Uh, something, there, there might be something in your mind. Oh, it would be great to have this or to have that. But we need to remember that those things are temporary. Not only is, is your life a mist that's here one moment and gone the next, the things that you long to hold, the wealth that we long for... Is, is temporary and that's why James says your riches have rotted. Your riches have rotted. And Jesus says don't store up for yourselves those things on earth that the moths eat and that the rust corrodes and that are perishing. Even if you gain wealth and you're your wealth is placed in the most secure vault possible. It's guarded by amazing soldiers with big guns in impenetrable uh, lead uh, device. One day, all of that will go away. It's all going away. We're so drawn to plan our futures and collecting for ourselves that our lives lose proper focus. We lose proper focus on God and we lose proper focus of ourselves. We lose focus on God and we lose focus on ourselves and we begin to to live and, and, and to believe a lie. And that lie is that because I have these things, I really am in control of my life, and I really am in control of my future. And if this isn't bad enough, there's more. This tendency to be the God over my own life and destiny isn't too far removed from attempting to be the God over other people's lives. Forgetting or outright rejecting God's sovereignty inevitably leads to committing injustices against other people. And we hear a lot today about the injustices within society, whether it has to do with race or poverty. What is at the root of these injustices? At the root of these injustices that we see within our nation and around the world is people rejecting God. And when people reject God and his sovereignty over our lives and the world, that causes everything within society to become messed up, disjointed, out of focus, and just completely and totally really horrific for so many people. So James wrote, he said, he writes, Behold the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud and are are crying out against you. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in luxury and self indulgence You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. James is speaking out about the injustices that happen within society. The arrogance of boasting not only leads to forgetting God who's uh, sovereign and losing proper perspective on life and losing in our possession, it also leads to the mistreatment of others. So we need to cry out, Lord, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. We're prone to reign over our lives, to reign over our future, to reign over our wealth. And then we don't care who we hurt. We don't care about who we step on. We don't care about who we mistreat in the process. But the life of humility... Let's focus now on the life of humility. The life of humility seeks the will of God. The life of humility seeks the will of God holding all that I have with open hands. It's this posture of holding all that I've been given in life with open hands. Don't don't live your life gripping the things of this world. Some people live their lives with a death grip upon the things of this world. The posture of the believer ought to be this, that we hold all things with open hands. And there's great freedom, and there's great liberty in living that way. So don't live holding on to the things of this world. But here's the thing, I don't want to lose control. I don't want to let go. I want to be the God over my own life. But when you hold things with an open hand, you acknowledge that God really is in control. He's in control of today, and he's in control of tomorrow. So what do you have a hard time letting go of? What are you holding on to today? Let yourself be liberated from those things. And what you really find out is as you hold these things, you're really not holding on to them, they're holding on to you. And that you're held in, uh, in bondage to these things. Let go. Let go. We ought to pray like Job prayed. Job lived with this perspective or with this posture of holding all things with open hands. Job said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. But in all of this, what? Blessed be the name of the Lord. He gives. He puts things into our hands and he takes away. And when he takes things from us, it can be so painful and so difficult. But through all of it, recognize who is sovereign. God is sovereign, and blessed be his name, the name of the Lord. Now, Job lost everything. He lost everything really for no good reason. He lost everything except for his nagging wife and four friends that taught him some really or, or gave him some really bad theology. God took everything from Job. But in all of that Job never cursed the Lord. He questioned the Lord. He was angry with the Lord. He didn't have an easy time with what the Lord did in his life. That he continued to acknowledge the sovereignty, the rule, and the reign of God. Naked I came into this world, naked shall I depart. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. But in all of this, through the ups and the downs of life, blessed be the name of the Lord. So the life of humility seeks the will of God, holding all that I have with open hands. What are you grabbing on to today? What are you holding tight to today? It doesn't really belong to you. And what do you need to let go of and hold with open hands? Not only does the life of humility seek the will of God, holding all that I have with open hands, but looking towards God's plan, not my own. Looking towards his plan, not my own. Now, as we were talking about Job, we know that uh, the Lord's plan for our life isn't always easy. So you might be saying, you know, Pastor... I don't know if I want God's plan for my life. Pastor, I've I've, I've read the Bible. I've read about Job. I've read about many other people in the Bible, and and things weren't always easy for these people in the Bible. Actually, if you read the Bible, uh, for most of these people in the Bible, life was really difficult. The path and the plan that God led them on was not an easy plan or path you might say, you know, Jesus says, if I'm going to follow him, if I'm going to follow his plan for my life, he says that I need to take up my cross. And pastor, didn't, didn't you know that, that, that living according to God's will and God's plan for our lives today in 2021, it's not a very easy thing. Pastor, didn't you know that if you live out God's plan today, that you have a big target put on your back? I know all this stuff. Living according to God's plan for your life isn't the easy way. Indeed, Jesus clearly said that if you're going to follow his plan for your life, that you need to take up your cross. It's not an easy life. The life of humility seeks the will of God, holding all that I have with open hands and looking towards God's plan, not my own. But there's good news in all of this. Even though his plan for your life is difficult, there's good news. In all of this, not because of anything that we've done, not because of our own goodness, our own righteousness, but God's gracious love fills us. His gracious love so fills us that we're compelled by the love of God to live out His plan for our lives, even in the hard stuff of life. And God gives us what we need to live in His will. We know that His will isn't easy. Knowing that it's difficult to live out God's will, we keep our eyes on Jesus. And this is the key. And this is where your joy comes from. This is where your liberty comes from. This is where your freedom comes from. This is where you get that stuff that that gives you that that experience that, that following Jesus, even though it's difficult, is better than life without Him. Keep our eyes on the cross. We keep our eyes on the one who suffered for our sake so that we can be forgiven and strengthened, so that we can be filled with a power that's beyond ourselves. When you keep your eyes on Jesus in the middle of this crazy world, he gives you the stuff that this world can't give. A joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. A peace that surpasses understanding. A purpose that the world knows nothing about. So how do we keep our eyes on Jesus? In the midst of this crazy world that wants to draw our attention away from him. How do we keep our eyes on him? We keep our eyes on him through the ordinary means of grace. The ordinary means of grace. You're asking, Pat, what what, what are you talking about? What are the ordinary means of grace? Well, at the center of the ordinary means of grace is the word of God. God has given you the gift of his word. And the Holy Spirit, through the word of God, turns our eyes towards Jesus. So we read his word, we hear his word, we pray his word. And as we do that, we receive a strength. We receive grace. We receive a purpose from him. And it's easy for us to do this because the one who went before us, Jesus, lived out God's will, the Father's will, perfectly. So I take you back in time to the garden. The garden of Gethsemane. Not the garden of Eden, but the garden of Gethsemane. Where Jesus prayed. Where Jesus prayed with humility. Matthew 26, 39, and going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Jesus didn't want the cross, but nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. You see, Jesus fully understood what was coming. He knew the agony of the cross was before him, yet he willingly submitted to the will of God the Father for you. He went to the cross for you because he loves you. So it's a joy for us who trust in Jesus to submit to the will of our sovereign God because we know how much he loves us. We know how much he suffered for us and for our salvation. So we turn our eyes upon Jesus. We focus on Jesus. We fix our eyes on Him. And when our eyes are fixed upon Him and what He did, how He lived, how He suffered, how He died, and how He rose victorious, for us, it's a joy and it's an honor to live in God's will. To not live for ourselves, but to live for Him even when his plans are difficult. So we close with Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. Here the author of Hebrews says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let's not run trying to control our future, planning our future to make a success of our lives while forgetting God. Let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. Looking to who? Looking to Jesus who is the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God forever and ever. Amen. Fix your eyes on Jesus today. Trust in him. You don't know what the future holds, but he does. And with eyes fixed on him, you can face whatever God determines to face. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you with humble hearts. In this life we make plans. We make plans. So forgive us for planning without seeking your will. In this life we we have material things, but forgive us for replacing replacing these things. uh, for, for, For replacing you with these things. And give us your Holy Spirit so that we always remember that you are sovereign and that we are not sovereign. Help us to hold all that we have in this life with open hands before you. Help us to hold the past, the present, and the future. Help us to hold all of our material possessions with open hands before you. Give us humble hearts to trust in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.